This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Gradual clearing today, high near 69. Mostly clear tonight, low around 45. Sunny Wednesday, high near 71. Police are looking for a man who fired several shots in the parking lot of an American Legion where a young girl's birthday party was underway. The shooting occurred shortly after 7 p.m. Saturday at the American Legion Post 80 at 76 Main Street. Police said five 9mm shell casings were located in the parking lot at Main and Walnut Streets. According to detectives, a black man wearing a blue sweatsuit fired several rounds at a group outside the American Legion building. Before fleeing the area, two of the men who were fired upon were seen with handguns. No injuries were reported. The gunfire erupted as a birthday party for a two-year-old girl was being held on the second floor of the American Legion. The man who fired the shots had been sitting in a car in the parking lot before he got out of the vehicle. A person familiar with the incident said he pulled out a pistol and started shooting toward the group of men. The shooter was chased from the scene. Police had the car he left in the parking lot towed away. Detectives have not released the name of a suspect or possible motive in the shooting. Binghamton police confiscated an assault rifle and two loaded magazines following a shots-fired call. Authorities said Thomas Lewis of Binghamton was charged with four counts of criminal possession of a weapon. Police were called to 5 Sturgis Street for a report of a gunfire. The house was searched, but officers did not find any evidence of a recent shooting. Several people, including Lewis, were detained for questioning. Investigators say that he was a person of interest in connection with a weapon complaint that occurred at 3 Sturgis Street last Wednesday evening. Police searched the house and found an AK-47 assault rifle and two loaded magazines. Binghamton officials have not indicated whether the lockdown law could be used to address the criminal activity in the Sturgis Street neighborhood. A routine traffic stop in Binghamton led to multiple felony charges for a stolen weapon and drugs possession in Binghamton over the weekend. During the early morning hours on September 16th, Broome County Sheriff's Office deputy performed a traffic stop on a 2014 Ford Escape on Court Street in Binghamton. While speaking with the driver, Mayton Evdell of Johnson City. Sheriff's deputies noticed a clear plastic bag filled with pills and powder in the fanny bag that he was wearing. When questioned, Evdell admitted to possessing illegal substances on both his person and in the vehicle he was driving. He also identified a weapon hidden in his hoodie pocket. After searching Evdell and the vehicle, deputies recovered several types of drugs along with 380 caliber semi-automatic pistol with a defaced serial number and two rounds of ammunition in the magazine. Abdel was taken into custody and arraigned in Binghamton City Court, being currently held in the Broome County Correctional Facility. On Thursday, September 7th, Delaware County Sheriff's deputies reported to an assault complaint involving a juvenile located at the DCMO BOCES in the town of Masonville. Preliminary investigation by deputies revealed that a physical altercation had occurred where the victim was physically injured and pressure had been applied to the victim's throat. Upon conclusion of their investigation, deputies subsequently arrested and charged the juvenile of Unadilla with one count of assault, third degree for physical injuring the victim, and one count of criminal obstruction of breathing, 
both Class A misdemeanors of the New York State Penal Law. The juvenile and their parents were issued juvenile appearances tickets and were directed to report to the Delaware County Probation Department at a later date to answer the charges. State police in Pennsylvania say nine teenage boys who escaped from a detention center are back in custody. A Pennsylvania State Police spokesman said they were captured early Monday after being on the run for less than 12 hours. He said the four youths turned themselves in after hours in the run because they were cold and tired. Five others were captured less than five miles from the detention center in or near a truck and trailer that had been reported stolen. The nine youths originally escaped from Academy Academy around 8 p.m. on Sunday after overpowering staff. The Academy is an enclosed residential treatment program northwest of Philadelphia. And a tape package containing several thousand dollars worth of fentanyl was discovered inside the New York City daycare center where a one-year-old child died of an opioid overdose last week. But the owner of the daycare center uh, maintained she had no knowledge of the presence of the highly potent opioid. Her attorney noted she had rented a room in the apartment to a man who may have been responsible for the drug operation. She pleaded not guilty in court Sunday night to the charges and was awaiting arraignment. The attorney did not immediately respond to a request for comment. That's a look at your news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. 607-772-1290. Your call is important to me. So when you call, be prepared to speak directly to the host and also to the global audience of Binghamton Now. Today is, in fact, Tuesday. The playoffs are getting underway, so you can feel the excitement across the parlor city. It's palpable. Feel. Feel the excitement. <laughs> the Rumble Ponies. Ah, WNBF coverage will begin at 6.20 this evening, so enjoy. Enjoy live coverage, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. We encourage you to tune in here every scintillating second of playoff baseball. From the ballpark, of course. What else is going on here in Parlor City? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I love WNBF.com. Fairly uh, stunning story with um, 
gunfire that erupts outside a birthday party for a two-year-old girl in Binghamton's west side. We have uh, that story. You might want to examine the details. So they're having a birthday party for a two-year-old. And then outside, gunfire erupts. It's a birthday party at around 7 o'clock in the evening. So, apparently there were about 10 kids and 10 adults at the birthday party. And from what I've been told, they um, were not happy. Well, who, who could be happy? After they heard that there was trouble outside with the shots being fired, there was a lot of screaming and yelling inside. Among the people at the big birthday party, no arrest been made. And we have the details at WNBF.com. It's sad that something like that could happen in Binghamton. It's 9.13. Let's go to the phones. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oh, my God. I'm the first caller. I went over Mercedes-Benz. Morning, Bob. Vic from the fort. Hey, Vic. Uh, Good morning. Hey, listen, Bob. Uh, I've been watching the news a lot lately. I had quit watching TV for about six months. But I've been watching the news lately, and I'm, I'm kind of worried about what's going on in America today. And yesterday, Kathy Hochul put out... Um, a uh, letter on the internet saying that uh, the new wage increase takes effect, I think, October 1st, or maybe it was September 1st. I'm not sure. But she put that out there, and uh, she says it will help poor families. But uh, she must not know much about economics because you increase, you force employers to increase the wages, they're forced to increase the prices. So the only people that benefit are the people collecting the tax on the goods that we're buying. Well, the people uh, who benefit are the, the poor people who are working hard for a living. So they benefit. And then, you know, I mean, look, there are a lot of people, unfortunately, in New York State who are being paid, in my opinion, less than what their labor is worth. So let's well, let's work. Let's work. Let's work to rectify that. Yeah, uh, Bob, the way the economics works is goods cost more, you pay more. Um, yeah, I know. That, I know. That's that that's more. why, you know, before long, there will be a $10 Big Mac. There will be, um, you know, you, you'll be able to get a $5 Coke, not just at the ballpark, but you could get a $5 Coke at uh, anywhere. That's, yeah, I know. I'm not I'm not oblivious. I I understand how it works. I also understand there there are a lot of people who are not being treated right in our society. So let's try to treat some people a little bit better. Let's provide them with a certain amount of dignity. That brings me to the second part of my call. I watched on the news last night where uh, people were giving speech, New Yorkers were giving speeches in the street about the uh, influx of uh, illegal immigrants. And uh, they were talking about how their jobs are being taken, how their rights are being taken, how they're getting free health care, free homes, uh, free food. And uh, they're not contributing. They're just taking far different from the immigration that we had throughout this island. Those immigrants were looking to improve their lives uh, uh, and pay for their own rent, pay for their own property, uh, pay for their own goods. 
the immigrants of today are looking for us to pay for them. And that's a huge problem in this country, Bob. We got we, we got to turn this immigration thing around. 2,500 people crossed the border in two hours yesterday. I don't know if you saw that in New Mexico. But uh, we're not, and these aren't women and children. These are men of, of uh, youth, many youth. They, they can carry arms and they can revolutionize, revolutionize right here in America. They're already doing it in New York City. They're fighting for, for free stuff. They're fighting for free stuff, not for freedom, for free stuff. And I believe it was Ben Franklin who once said, uh, uh, once a country, uh, once a population realizes how to bankrupt the government by free stuff, that government will fail. And I think we're seeing that thing in, in great detail. Well, I feel optimistic. I, I'm sorry you feel so pessimistic about the great land of Have opportunity. Have you been in New York City? Have you been in New York City? Not lately. I have. I have no need to go. I have everything I need right here in Parlor City. Yeah, but we're a small community that doesn't really make much difference, especially when we lost eleven point four percent of our population since uh, nineteen. Uh, 1995, I think it was. Uh, Christine Gillibrand said we lost over 80,000 uh, uh, manufacturing jobs in Broome County uh, since 1982. So, yeah, it, we used to be up there in population, Bob. We used to be over 100,000. No, Binghamton know? was never over 100,000. I'm talking Tri Cities. Oh, okay, yeah, the market. Yeah. Well, the market, the Binghamton market, as as it was defined by uh, national marketing agencies and advertisers, the uh, market was, um, <laughs> the market was, uh, was quite big, but then they took Susquehanna County out of our market. Well, we got a lot of work to do to make Binghamton uh, livable, Bob, in my opinion. I know you think the place is great. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree that we definitely could make a lot of improvements. I'm not saying Binghamton is anywhere near perfect, but I still think it's great. I'd like to, uh, I don't know, point out point out another small New York City that you think is a lot better than Binghamton. Oh, my point about making Binghamton great again is we need our elected officials to come on your show or on TV and speak about the state of the city and speak about what they believe will fix it and get support for those beliefs and not just do things out of their own mind because one person does not run the city. The city should run itself and a person is supposed to be a uh, a spokesperson for the people paying taxes in that city, for the people who care enough to to vote for in this city. Uh, The people who don't vote, well, they need representation, representation too. But the way things are going right now, Bob, uh, our 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 local government is corrupt. Uh, it's corrupt beyond recognition uh, from what it was back in, uh, say, Mayor Burns' day. Uh, it, it's it's bad. It's bad. I you know I I can't I can't, uh, I can't emphasize enough how bad it is and. and Although people are joyfully walking the streets, some people are. Um, some people are in a utopia because of the drug problem. Uh, some people are just satisfied with the way things are, but they don't realize how much better it could be if we work to make it better. 
I grew up in Binghamton, and I loved it. I loved the elm trees on Leroy Street that were all cut down. Uh, you know, I, I love the riverbanks. Uh, we have so much to offer here, but everybody's afraid to use what we have. Not everybody, but, you know, you go to the park, you find hypodermic needles on the ground. You find crack vials. Uh, you can even find crack. Uh, oh, I found crack at Kmart when they were open in a, power, in a flower pot. So... Uh, Things have been in trouble for a long time. We've been in trouble for a long time. And Mayor, Mayor David, or, or excuse me, uh, Graham, he needs to come on this show. The chief of police needs to come on this show. Or TV or whatever. Remember when they used to have uh, uh, neighborhood watch meetings and stuff like that? We need to get back to that stuff. We need to clean our streets up. We need, we need to make Binghamton attractive. That should be whoever's running next. That should be their campaign slogan. Let's make Binghamton attractive because people are leaving. They're not coming. All right. Well, I appreciate your observations. We'll see what other people have to say. Hey, Bob, you have a good day, and I might call it in later depending on what you can't. No, you can't call in later. You can call in tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's by the way, that's not a rule. It's just, you know, that's guidance. I mean, you, right. you could call in later. But my preference is that you wait till tomorrow. I mean, and again, you know, it's not, there aren't many rules really on this program. So, but that's just general guidance. And I encourage people to consider doing that, you know, one call per program. And then, you know, and, and sometimes even one topic per call and then save other topics for the next program. That way we get more variety and more voices so that's that's what i'm striving for but on the other hand it's a free country and you own a phone so well one one <laughs> one last statement and then i'm sure. done we need to stay out of the rabbit hole we need to climb up out of that rabbit hole we do not need to elect Batisti to the district attorney's office all right and that's another so, thing though i mean we we know we know where you stand on the DA's race. So please try not every call to, to restate your position for the DA's race. I'm not, I'm not saying that people can't express their opinions about this race or any other race, but I, I see a trend that some people are using their opportunity on this program to consistent. That's what I just did. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm also asking for people once, once you've stated your position on any given race, you know, start it, add new topicality or, you know, you don't have to, I mean, I know what, what people want to do, but I'm not sure that's the, that's the best use of this program for people to, to constantly say, oh, I'm in favor of one person or as, as you said in this case, you're not in favor of a particular person. So just again, it's, it's general guidance, and you know I think I think general guidance can be helpful. In my opinion, six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. Remember, I'm just a facilitator. They have given me this opportunity. It's not just an opportunity; it is a privilege to be the designated host for the program. So if I express an opinion, I am certainly quick to admit it's just one opinion among billions. 
on the planet. So, and, and some people take the opinions of a radio host the wrong way. I can't believe they let him express his opinion. Well, sure. And call in with your opinion. If you wish, if you wish, and if you don't, you can keep listening. I'm not going to charge you to listen. WNBF, it's 924. Happy Tuesday with Bob Joseph, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. Yesterday my life was filled with rain Sunny You smiled at me and really eased the pain Now the dark days are done and the bright days are here My sunny one shines so sincere Sunny one so true I love you. Went by the campus, sunny Binghamton campus in Vestal today. Waved Thank you for to all of the Binghamton Now fans at Sunny Binghamton. It's 928. Back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Oil pipe, uh, uh, Bob, get ready because we are enjoying this beautiful sunny weather. But the old saying always rings Wait, true. Wait, who is we this? Boing. Wait, who is oh, this? It's Jetpack Jesse. All right, I know, but you have to identify yourself for the people who are listening around the globe. Well, okay. Well, and, now and where know. are you calling from? Ah, uh, the Howard Mansion. I mean, where? New York? Ah, uh, Pennsylvania? It is. It is high above historic Lake Street. Great. Down the road from Fuddy Duddy. Uh, how do you like that? Again, you have to give the name of the town. Remember, I'm not the only one you're talking to. You're talking to potentially oh. billions of people on the planet. Okay. It is the smallest and coolest village in the planet, last I knew. So when are you going to tell us where you're calling from? I mean, here we are 30 seconds into the call, and... Uh, listeners who are just tuning in for the first time may not have any idea where you are. Oh, oh, we go. Yo, okay. That's the I can do. We, well, okay. At the start of every call, as a courtesy to our new listeners, we ask callers to give their first name and where they're calling from. That's, that's all. It's, I think yeah. it's, I think it's a rather clever plan. Anyway, Jesse, what's on your mind? Well, I, I've already thought about that because I, I understand how certain people think and the things that are going on throughout this world. We have people that Attention are... Attention business owners. This we have other people that uh, are optimistic, and then we have those that are realists. And I'm just like, uh, don't worry about it. Just run with it. Life is actually not as bad as it may seem. 
course, things are going to change. They're going to get worse. They may get better. I mean, honestly, we don't actually know, but it's like, hey, just keep your head. Come on. It's really not as bad. I agree. I agree. All the nattering nabobs of negativism, you know, they should they should go find something to ch- cheer themselves up. You know, yeah. Oh, it's all bad, and I think it's going to get a lot worse. Well, yeah, with that attitude, I suppose it will get a lot worse. If you don't fix your attitude, well, what can I tell you? You know, attitude, yeah. I think, counts for about 90% of it. Oh, I, I, I couldn't believe that more. You know what? Every night I go to sleep, Bob, I sleep very well, and I'm fortunate and very lucky and blessed that I can wake up the next day and I'm not pushing up posies. So, hey, let's have a good time. That's what I say. Good times, great oldies. That's my Ooh. motto. There you go. What, well, what's up with that techno music? I haven't heard nothing yet. Well, I don't plan to play techno music today. I don't, I don't plan Ooh. on it. I didn't say you won't hear it, but Okay, well... Anything with this program, what I've learned about this program from its inception, anything is pretty much possible. If you can play Pink Floyd backwards, you're going to hear a secret. (laughs) And I forget what song that is. The one thing I can say without fear of contradiction, you will not hear Pink Floyd between now and noon at (laughs) 92.1 FM and 1290 AM. So... If, if for, for people who are looking for Pink Floyd, go tune in to the Hawk. Okie doke. All right. <laughs> you have a great day, Bob. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse, from a week ago. Good morning. This is the Hawk Morning Show as we salute Pink Floyd. <laughs> salute Pink Floyd. 607-772-1290 WNBF WNBF.com News Radio 1290 WNBF Good morning, Lauren Boberts. <laughs> oh favorite and most notorious member of Congress. She is truly a lawmaker. Back to the phones we go at 935. Beverly from the town of Dickinson. You're on the air. Yeah, I was wondering if they took the walk bridge down and when they're going to take it down because they've got it all blocked up. Yeah, I was hoping they'd reopen it. Huh? I was hoping they would reopen it. If the people at at DOT, transportation, the transportation people, the DOT people, I thought DOT would reopen the pedestrian I bridge. I don't know, Bob. They got they got two sets of uh, fences up. They got one down uh, near the old Front Street, and then they got one up in the middle. Well, apparently they don't want people on the bridge. I don't know. I was hoping they would reopen it, but the people at DOT uh, won't reopen it. I don't know, but I don't know. 
I was hoping that they would they fix it up, but I don't know. No, but I was they, talking to the guy at DOT, and they said they will not fix it. Oh, well, under any circumstances, they will not fix the pedestrian bridge under any circumstance. They will tear that thing down. Yeah, well, they want to do it before winter. Well, it's not going to happen before winter. You know, yeah, because I was told before that, that they were taking bids on it, and uh, they uh, and they were supposed to have it done by winter. Well... They're not going know. to. No, they're not going to. And they're also not going to open that pedestrian bridge again. I don't care what you think. I don't care what I think. It doesn't make any difference. They already have said, Dot said, they won't reopen it, no matter how many people want that pedestrian bridge reopened so they can get conveniently from the Sunrise Terrace area over to Otsenigo Park. They will not. They cannot, they shall not ever reopen it. Yeah, well, I figured that. Yeah, just, now you have, now if you want to go to Atsonigo Park, you have to go up by McDonald's and, and uh, walk that new path. I know, and it's a beautiful path. I commend them for their new path. Did you walk it yet? No, not yet. I don't have any well, reason I got, to. I got partly over it. I, I have a... A stand-up walker, and I, I think I got, I think I got probably maybe twenty-five percent over, and then I had to come back. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I want them to reopen the pedestrian walkway, but I, I've been told in no uncertain terms that walkway will not be reopened. That walkway will be torn down, and soon it'll be simply a memory. We. They can't, you know what, I'll say this about it. They, Dot can take away our pedestrian walkway, but they can't take away our memories. Oh, God, we had a, I remember when that first opened, Bob, it it was so nice. You could go, you could walk over there to, you know, to, uh, used to be able to walk over to Shenango Street and get the bus and, and and sometimes I just walk I just walk over and and stand on the bridge and you know watch the cars and trucks go by. But that that's been up since I think since 1965. I think it has. Yeah, so it's a it's a thing of beauty. It's a thing of beauty, but now it's being discarded. Yeah. It's going to be put on the trash heap of Binghamton history. Yeah. Well, when they built it, when they built it, the reason that they built the highway is because they didn't want the truck the truck drivers to go through town. That's the only that's the only reason that they built the highway because they didn't want the trucks going through town. Well, yeah, and to give jobs to uh, construction workers. Oh yeah. I mean but, that's the important thing. But when thing. they first opened, but when they first opened it, there was a lot of people down there just for their ribbon cutting. Well, maybe if more people had used it, Dot wouldn't have decided to tear it down. Did you ever well, think of that? Because they 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 kept track. They had a counter and they kept track of how many people used it, and then after they they looked at the numbers. 
because some days very few people were using it. So they said, hey, if it's not that popular anymore, we'll just tear it down and we'll show them. Yeah, well. I didn't anyway, say it's right. I didn't say it's right, but that's. Dot has spoken. That's right. Remember, Dot is the same agency that tore down Johnson Field, where the triplets played. You can't, oh, yeah. I remember, you, I, remember, I remember that. My brothers and my father used to go down. They used to right. go down, I think. I every used to go Saturday. down. There. And then. When I was a kid, I, I saw my first baseball game at Johnson Field and watched the triplets. And then, before I knew it, Dot took control and they tore down the baseball park. They tore down all the houses across the street from my grandma's house. And how do you think that makes me feel, even decades later? Well, it's probably sad. It's very sad. What, what what it means to me is Dot is more powerful than my grandmother. Dot is more powerful than the triplets were. Dot is more powerful than the people of the town of Dickinson. Dot decides. They, they are. They are the deciding agency. Dot will, Dot will do it. Do you remember down on Clinton Street, uh, they they had a, a base uh, football, uh, football field? Oh, where the hotel is. Yeah. At Clinton in front. I called it the mud pit because when it rained, it became a mud pit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember that because I used to go, I used to go down there. I think that's where, uh, Joe Namath played when he was playing for the Jets. I can't, I can't remember, yeah. but. But well, I remember, I don't remember much about football, but I do seem to recall Joe Namath playing for the Jets. And that's where the Jets played, right there at the mud pit where the hotel is now. It's now the, um, it's a hotel that gives out, uh, the chocolate chip cookie to the, to the good, uh, boys and girls. They get a chocolate chip cookie if they stay at that hotel. I, I was down there for, a conference one time, and really? it's pretty nice in there. It's very nice. That's very nice. Thank you for your call. Yep. Nine forty-two. This is Bob Joseph serving the public for the radio program. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety. This is WNBF. Um. Nine forty-six at WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Joined now by the town of Dickinson supervisor Michael Marinaccio. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Great. How are things in the town of Dickinson? I think things are are, are pretty good. Um, I did over here to chat about the walk bridge, and I thought I uh, would give you a quick update as to what's going on with that bridge. Yeah, I heard somebody say that they were going to take it down next spring, like next May. Is, is there any no. truth, truth to that rumor? No. Uh, no, no truth to that rumor. Um, the bridge was let out to a contractor, and uh, the latest news uh, information that I received is going to be coming down in a couple of weeks. That uh, soon? The, yeah, yeah. Um, 
It's going to, a lot of the work is going to be done at night, just like they did with the, the old Front Street Bridge that came down last season uh, due to uh, safety concerns on I-81 and traffic and so forth. So, yeah, it's going to be noisy in Sunrise Terrace for about a week or so, but it's going to go quick. So I, it should start It should start in two weeks, maybe three, and it'll be done before the end of this contract season. So it'll be done before the end of the year. Well, this is surprising. I, I had just. Well, it's breaking news. Well, it's breaking news. no, I'm, I'm glad. That's you know, it's stuff like this. This is the reason that I, this is the reason I show up every day because every once in a while we have breaking news live on the program, and I, I do appreciate when people call in with the latest information because I. And you know, I mean, I've spoken with you, I've spoken with uh, Scott Cook at the um, Department of Transportation and some others, by the way, off the record. And um, <laughs> I haven't talked to him lately. So, yeah, the last guidance I had uh, was that it might not happen maybe till next spring. But this um, this is actually interesting. I, I look closely at, at all the plans. Have you ever looked closely at the DOT's plans for something that one might think is fairly simple and straightforward, such as removing a pedestrian walkway over I-81. I mean, there are dozens and dozens of pages for the contractor oh, yeah. about, okay, this is where you put this sign, and this is where you put that <laughs> sign, and this lane will be closed, and this is what happens. I mean, they everything is spelled out. I was looking at the, you know, the outline for this project. I'm going... Wow, and here all I thought was they needed to call like uh, one of those uh, demolition companies and say, point at it and say, hey, can you take that down? And the guy from the demo company would be like, sure, sure, I'll uh, I'll send my guys over here tonight at 9 and we'll have it down by midnight. And it turns out there's a lot more to it, including, believe it or not, Mr. Marinaccio, including things like landscaping and even protecting um birds and stuff, the endangered, potentially endangered species, it's all covered there in black and white. Oh, yeah. Well, it has to be, Bob. You know, especially when you're dealing with uh, highways and bridges uh, and there's traffic below. Let's not forget that that bridge crosses uh, an extremely busy highway, which is I-81, and thousands of cars pass through there every every day. At night, of course, the traffic is a little a little less, and that's when the uh, major parts of the demolition is going to take place. And they have to take every precautionary measure possible to protect us, you know, to, uh, to protect the environment. And I know, now this happened when they were demolishing Front Street. Even though people were were warned, pre-warned, by DOT and by the town of Dickinson, it's going to be noisy because they're going to be jackhammering those support columns. And, and so forth to take that bridge down. The walk bridge, of course, is not as big. As, it's not a big project as a Front Street Bridge was. So it'll go quicker. But it has to be done. That bridge was not salvageable, did not meet uh, federal standards, and um, you don't need it anymore. And I think uh, you and I talked about this on your show some time ago. The new Front Street Bridge, it's beautiful. It has a beautiful, very safe, walking path and people are using it quite a bit so when did you find out that they had moved up the the schedule for removal of the pedestrian walkway 
Well, it's that date has always been in place as far as I know. I mean, months and months ago, I was told that the letting of the contract was going to be like late summer. And uh, usually that takes over a month. So whoever the contractors are can look at all the specs and then uh, award it. And then when they award it, they have to go over the specs one more time to make sure that all the precautionary measures are in place and that there's a clear understanding. So nothing has changed as far as I know. It's always been letting out a late summer and demolishing it around October, November. And that's still holds true today. All right. I'm looking at the bids. They actually got quite a few uh, companies that submitted bids. I mean, quite a range, yeah, too. But the, the lowest bid was $534,000. And then somebody from Buffalo said, oh, we'll do it for $1.8 million. That's an interesting range of bids for the for the work. Yeah, that that's amazing. Um, and sometimes, I, I mean, I don't know who this company is from Buffalo. You know I'm from Buffalo. I love them. But sometimes people just place bids way high, just to bid on a project, just to get information. Uh, I've seen that happen even in our town with certain bids. Yeah, that's fascinating. They do do that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fascinating business. But, yeah, so you can tell Beverly, well, I'm sure Beverly is. Oh, she's listening. Yeah, she's listening. God bless her. And she uh, she's only... uh, you know, maybe two or three, three, four hundred feet away from the bridge. So. <laughs> that's true. That's well. That's the bottom line. She inevitably, while the demolition's underway, she and her neighbors will hear it there for a few nights while they're doing the work. Oh but God, that's they will too. Yep. And I'm right down the street from them. I'm I'm about five hundred feet from that bridge. As so. they say, that's uh, the price. It's the price of progress. It's like the guys. The, I shouldn't say the guys because that sounds sexist. It's like the people who are erecting the new parking garage here in downtown Binghamton, and they've been doing a lot of pile driving over the last week or two. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Have you ever heard pile driving? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure yeah. So you, you can just imagine how those people who are eating lunch over at the uh, the Found Cat Cafe, <laughs> I mean Lost Dog Cafe, you can imagine while they're sitting there, about a hundred yards away from uh, the the pile driving uh, crews, but hey, that's the price of progress. That's the price of progress. I listened to pile driving for <laughs> quite a few weeks when they were uh, doing the pile driving for the new Front Street Bridge. <laughs> oh, by the way, speaking <laughs> speaking of the Front Street project, I have to commend. I don't know if the people at Department of Transportation listen to the program anymore, but I have to commend the work they did in terms of that design, the redesign of, along the Front Street Corridor, along with those roundabouts. I have to tell you, and this is, I guess we could say this publicly, I have to say that is one of the most successful projects I've seen in Broome County over the last decade because with those roundabouts, both at Front and Old Front Street and also with the uh, interchange for 81, I can't believe how much easier and how much less irritating my drive is when I'm going up through the town of Dickinson or say uh, the other day I was going up to cover, um, take a look at the new dog park in the town of Shenango. It's a dream come true. It is. It is. And uh, everything that they planned came out pretty well. We had some input about the bridge, you know, when we learned about it. We actually maintained the uh, landscaping on both those, um, uh, yeah, on both those circles. 
but yeah, it's been a major improvement. Uh, there's, you know, every uh, every occasion there's uh, a mishap. People that maybe still don't understand or get confused, but I'd say ninety nine point nine percent works beautifully. Yeah, well, for me, I I don't know. It looks almost too simple, but then again, there are some people where where the concept they haven't gotten gotten a full understanding of the concept yet but i i trust within the next few years everybody will start to uh navigate that with with precision because i oh, just yeah. think it's beautiful also i know not everyone listening is an environmentalist but still think of how much fuel is being saved by say the elimination of the traffic signals there at the at the busy intersection quite a bit actually bob and that's a that's an excellent point. Even the folks that live near the circle, um, I mean, there's a little bit of horn blowing in the beginning because people were getting confused and so forth. But um, now there's there's less traffic being stopped and traffic lights like they did in the past. But yeah, it's a win win. It's a win win. It really is. Town of Dickinson Supervisor Michael Marinaccio, thanks for your call. You're very welcome. Take care. Thank you. It's 9.56. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Gradual clearing today, high near 69. Mostly clear tonight, low around 45. Sunny Wednesday, high near 71. Police are looking for a man who fired several shots in the parking lot of an American Legion where a young girl's birthday party was underway. The shooting occurred shortly after 7 p.m. Saturday at the American Legion Post 80 at 76 Main Street. Police said five 9mm shell casings were located in the parking lot at Main and Walnut Streets. According to detectives, a black man wearing a blue sweatsuit fired several rounds at a group outside the American Legion building. Before fleeing the area, two of the men who were fired upon were seen with handguns. No injuries were reported. The gunfire erupted as a birthday party for a two-year-old girl was being held on the second floor of the American Legion. The man who fired the shots had been sitting in a car in the parking lot before he got out of the vehicle. A person familiar with the incident said he pulled out a pistol and started shooting toward the group of men. The shooter was chased from the scene. Police had the car he left in the parking lot towed away. Detectives have not released the name of a suspect or possible motive in the shooting. Binghamton police confiscated an assault rifle and two loaded magazines following a shots-fired call. Authorities said Thomas Lewis of Binghamton was charged with four counts of criminal possession of a weapon. Police were called to 5 Sturgis Street for a report of a gunfire. The house was searched, but officers did not find any evidence of a recent shooting. Several people, including Lewis, were detained for questioning. Investigators say that he was a person of interest in connection with a weapon complaint that occurred at 3 Sturgis Street last Wednesday evening. Police searched the house and found an AK-47 assault rifle and two loaded magazines. Binghamton officials have not indicated whether the lockdown law could be used to address the criminal activity in the Sturgis Street neighborhood. A routine traffic stop in Binghamton led to multiple felony charges for a stolen weapon and drugs possession in Binghamton over the weekend. During the early morning hours on September 16th, Broome County Sheriff's Office deputy performed a traffic stop on a 2014 Ford Escape on Court Street in Binghamton. 
While speaking with the driver, Mayton Avdell of Johnson City, sheriff's deputies noticed a clear plastic bag filled with pills and powder in a fanny bag that he was wearing. When questioned, Abdel admitted to possessing illegal substances on both his person and in the vehicle he was driving. He also identified a weapon hidden in his hoodie pocket. After searching Abdel and the vehicle, deputies recovered several types of drugs, along with 380 caliber semi-automatic pistol with a defaced serial number and two rounds of ammunition in the magazine. Abdel was taken into custody and arraigned in Binghamton City Court, being currently held in the Broome County Correctional Facility. On Thursday, September 7th, Delaware County Sheriff's deputies reported to an assault complaint involving a juvenile located at the DCMO BOCES in the town of Masonville. Preliminary investigation by deputies revealed that a physical altercation had occurred where the victim was physically injured and pressure had been applied to the victim's throat. Upon conclusion of their investigation, deputies subsequently arrested and charged the juvenile of Unadilla with one count of assault, third degree, for physical injuring the victim, and one count of criminal obstruction of breathing, both Class A misdemeanors of the New York State Penal Law. The juvenile and their parents were issued juvenile appearances tickets and were directed to report to the Delaware County Probation Department at a later date to answer the charges. State police in Pennsylvania say nine teenage boys who escaped from a detention center are back in custody. A Pennsylvania state police spokesman said they were captured early Monday after being on the run for less than 12 hours. He said the four youths turned themselves in after hours in the run because they were cold and tired. Five others were captured less than five miles from the detention center in or near a truck and trailer that had been reported stolen. The nine youths originally escaped from Academy around 8 p.m. on Sunday after overpowering staff. The Academy is an enclosed residential treatment program northwest of Philadelphia. And a tape package containing several thousand dollars worth of fentanyl was discovered inside the New York City daycare center where a one-year-old child died of an opioid overdose last week. But the owner of the daycare center... Uh, maintained she had no knowledge of the presence of the highly potent opioid. Her attorney noted she had rented a room in the apartment to a man who may have been responsible for the drug operation. She pleaded not guilty in court Sunday night to the charges and was awaiting arraignment. The attorney did not immediately respond to a request for comment. That's a look at your news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio, WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph on your Tuesday morning. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see Just as long as you stand, stand.
up in a few minutes. We'll be taking your phone calls. So if you have thoughts about a few things around here, we will give you an opportunity to talk about what's going on here on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Coming up, the 41st Annual Hunger Walk for Chow here in Broome County. And joining us now to talk about the walk and the importance of this fundraising effort is Chow Director Les Aylesworth. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for having me. And before we go further, I'm sure most of our listeners are very familiar with Chow, its history and its mission. But for those who may not know about the Community Hunger Outreach Warehouse, give uh, give folks a, a little background, how it started and how it got to the point where it's helping so many people here in the Binghamton area in 2023. Yeah, surely. Um, well, the Chow, as you mentioned, is a community hunger outreach warehouse is what it stands for. And uh, they've been fighting and stopping hunger since the bicentennial, 1976. And what it began was with a uh, group of people that wanted to support some local pantries. And since then, it's grown to the point where now we are supporting over 110 uh, various emergency food programs between pantries and meal sites throughout Broome County and beyond. And what we do is we bring in food to our warehouse, and then we distribute it out to our agencies at no cost. And I guess the challenge never ends. This is something that's important to people every day of the year. People can't be fed uh, once a month or once per quarter, and they're good. People need to have proper nutrition every day. Absolutely. You know, I we often talk in this industry about trying to work ourselves out of a job, but the reality is, is that people are going to keep eating, and people are going to continue being in need because health crises always happen people lose jobs there's uh there's chronic situations and life circumstances come up where people find themselves in need and so um the reality is it can happen to anybody any one of us but that's what we're there for to try to bridge that gap so the annual hunger walk will be held in johnson city on september 23rd Correct. From 3 to 6 at the Oakdale Commons. Um, we're going to be uh, walking, um, actually doing a walk. At, well, let me back up. The, the whole event runs from 3 to 6, and we're going to have stuff through the entire three hours, running the whole breadth of the mall. I'm sorry, the Commons. Um, from Beer Tree all the way down to the new Dick's House of Sports and everywhere in between. We're going to be doing an actual walk at 3.30 where we're going to walk in solidarity to raise awareness for hunger. So if people want to come out and join us for the walk, we'd love to have them. But throughout the day, the next couple hours, we're going to be having fun family events, jugglers, magicians, feats of strength, bands, um, all kinds of fun stuff throughout the day. And I'll mention this is that if people just want to be able to donate they can do that just by eating at the Beer Tree Factory, where they're going to give us 15% of all non-alcoholic uh, sales. And people are able to just stop over on yep. Saturday. They don't have to register in advance for this walk. That is correct. There's no registration necessary. We'd love for people just to show up. I mean, if they want to bring a donation, they can meet us up at the Lord's Wellness Center end of the mall. That's where we'll be doing that. But there will be opportunities throughout the whole length of people, you know, get involved and, and see something they want to give a little bit to, there will be uh, opportunities throughout. Why is the Hunger Walk so important here four decades later after it first began? Well, it's our primary fundraiser of the year. Um, the, the work we do is uh, obviously 365 days a year. Um, and last year we were able to distribute over 
2 million meals into the community, and um, that constitutes about 2.4 million pounds of food. This year, as of yesterday, we're at 2.2 million pounds. So we are up 43% from last year. So um, the, the need is critical. It has been all of this year, especially with the reduction of benefits and inflation being what it is. The need for our services just skyrocketed. So by year's end, it's it's conceivable that uh, the CHOW program ultimately will will have distributed something approaching 3 million pounds That's what we're anticipating, yeah. It's, we're, we're, it's we're, stunning. It is amazing, and it just uh, shows you what the need is in the community, but also how important this hunger walk is for what we do. Aside from this weekend's hunger walk, are there other ways that people can support the CHOW program during the year? Definitely. They can go to our website, broomcouncil.net. There's a little um, giving tab there, donate here tab, and they can make a a tax-deductible donation right to us. And again, the Hunger Walk at Oakdale Commons on Saturday afternoon for people who want to stop by in Johnson City and be part of um, an ongoing community effort. Yep, yep, definitely. And I should mention not just money they can donate. They can donate food because we're distributing food a lot, so uh, getting donations of food is really important as well. But it's important if they're going to make donations at, at various sites, whether it's uh, on the day of the the walk or other sites that are set up around the community. They have to make sure it's non-perishable food. They also uh, have to make sure that they're not donating things in in uh, glass containers or, or things yeah, that really are helpful. fragile. Yep, that's really helpful. Yep. Anything else you wanted to add? Well, we're just so grateful for the opportunity to share about what the walk is and so grateful for this community who has supported us these many years in what we do. And we couldn't, it sounds cliche, but we truly could not do it without their help. The annual Hunger Walk coming up on Saturday, September 23rd at Oakdale Commons in Johnson City. Les Aylesworth, Director of Chow, thanks for being with us in the studio. Thanks for having me, Bob. I'm Bob Joseph. It's 1017. If you'd like to talk about some of the issues around the triple cities or around New York and Pennsylvania or around the nation or around the world, our phone lines are open 607-772-1290. You're listening to News Radio WNBF 92.1 FM. 1290 AM and always available on the free WNBF app. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. Did you? WNBF, your radio station. Don't accept any any cheap imitations. On WNBF.com, a source, a great source for local news. WNBF.com has a story and some pictures and, of course, 
some video from the scene on the north side on Sturgis Street. They uh, now tell us an AK-47 assault rifle was seized as part of the investigation. As we reported Friday afternoon, the cops had to respond again to Sturgis Street. That's been the source of more than a few problems lately. And um, they wound up having conversations with some residents and some people who were in the area. So they showed up because someone uh, reported hearing a gunfire. She said she heard a shot uh, when the police went over there to look. They did not find any evidence of a shooting Friday afternoon, but, and again, who knows? Who knows? Um, they did have um, an opportunity to speak with several people. Several people were detained for um, a Q&A, an interview, and, of course, the police had a few questions. Ultimately, they found a guy who was described as a person of interest in connection with an episode that happened at Sturgis Street last Wednesday. So this has been an issue on Sturgis Street for months. And as we noted in our updated story, which mentioned the charges for the guy who evidently had an AK-47 assault rifle on Sturgis Street, now that guy faces four counts of criminal possession of a weapon but looking back earlier this year in February, a 22-year-old man was shot in the chest at 5 Sturgis Street. And then eventually, several weeks later, police were able to find a suspect, a 28-year-old Binghamton man, hanging out on North McKinley Avenue in Endwell. And he was charged with attempted murder. So at this point, Binghamton officials haven't indicated whether the city's lockdown law could be used to address the criminal activity in that Sturgis Street neighborhood. So, if you want to see a little bit more of uh, what transpired on Friday on the north side, see our story at WNBF.com. As I mentioned earlier, we also have details about the gunfire erupting outside a birthday party for a two-year-old girl. So, I've been to a lot of birthday parties over the years, including some for young children. And I um, have never... I've never heard gunfire at anybody's birthday party. So, I don't know. Things, I guess times... The times they are a-changing. And that's another case where I, I find this somewhat ironic the gunfire that happened on Main Street Main near Walnut on Saturday happened exactly five years to the day after a 27 year old man was killed in a drive-by shooting near that spot so that happened on September 16th 2018 and then the gunfire that happens uh, over the weekend also is September 16th, 2023. So five years apart, 
just seems to be a strange situation there. That's uh, Maine and Walnut, so be careful. I guess they, the guy who did the shooting, he um, got out of his nice, I think it was a black car, a nice, beautiful, late model black car. And so he fired off some shots, I'm told. And then um, after he fired off the shots, some of the people in a group that he was shooting toward, they decided that they would chase him. And apparently a couple of them had guns. So they chased him away. He was scampering off uh, on Walnut Street, going to North Street, and he left his car there. So he, he'll he have to go to the police now. This is an awkward situation. Say, you show up to some place on a Saturday night and you wind up firing off some shots at some people for whatever reason. Again, we don't know. We don't know what the reason is. And then they start chasing you and then you've left your nice car behind and then the, the police... As part of the investigation, tow your car away. So now you have to go to impound. You have to call the police and say, oh, hi. Hi, I, I understand you towed my car from the parking lot at Main and Walnut. Can I have my car back? I'm not sure how you can get your car back without having to answer a few questions. So this might be one of those cases that could be fairly simple to resolve. I mean, at least as far as I'm sure they know who the guy is. I assume, unless he was borrowing, maybe borrowed a, a car from work. Coulda. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, if you have information about that shooting, by all means, send me a note. Bob at WNBF.com and uh, we'll look into it. By the way, the other thing, too, that I should uh, stress, how important these days that news tips are. Because that's the only way the news gets out. And the news doesn't write itself. And I, I know a lot of things about what goes on around here, but I don't know everything. So if you see uh, something... Such as that case over on Main Street. If you see, if you see, like you're driving around, I don't care where. If you see any location where more than three law enforcement vehicles are gathered, it's incumbent on you. The most important thing you can do is send a note to Bob at WNBF.com and then I'll stop by and, uh, Try to find out what exactly is going on. That's how the news is made. Bob at WNBF.com. It's 1028. Today is Tuesday. As we look forward to the arrival of autumn, where has the summer gone? I think we ask that question almost every year. Where has the summer gone? It goes by so quickly. Listening to News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. 
1031 WNBF Binghamton. I'm Bob Joseph. Joined now by Endicott Mayor Linda Jackson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Well, how are things with the village people? Oh, actually, they're pretty good. Uh, I just thought maybe uh, the village would be interested in some information I had on the recent uh, sheriff coming to to visit us in Endicott. Um, I saw the, uh, Sheriff Fred Akshar put out a, a news release about uh, some of the activity that his agency uh, was involved in in the village of Endicott. So uh, bring us up to speed. What's going on? Well, the Sheriff's Department Special Response Team, it's a great temporary support to all police departments. And we appreciate them occasionally coming to the village, but it really would be better if they worked with our police department to, you know, because our police department knows the area and knows the problem areas and it would be better if they could work together. I think they'd make more progress and perhaps they will because, uh, you know, with 23 municipalities, the Sheriff's Department has their hands full and a lot of them don't have village police to take care of so they're totally responsible and while they're targeting the village they can't be other places and so it would be good because this his concentration is not sustainable 24 7 but my main talk today is about some of the things our police do have to offer because we don't have our own PR person to report on our arrests and our actual calls. And if we did let people know, I think they'd feel a little bit better. Besides protecting the residents, our officers concentrate on being proactive and community-minded. They provide mental health assistance, drug addiction counseling with peers from the Action Addiction Center, workers from RISE to aid with domestic violence because in many cases your domestic violence victims won't talk to anybody other than the police and our RISE people ride with our police and our police practice stratified policing. For example, if they go to a domestic dispute, instead of just rushing in and uh, arresting the guy and taking him out, they find out what caused it to see if maybe they can't be of assistance. And our guys know the area very well. They drive it every day and they know a lot of our people by name. So in case of emergency we can respond in about three minutes as compared to 20 minutes for sheriff or state trooper depending on where they are because they have the whole county and according to a 911 person the village of endicott is the only municipality to dispatch dispatch an officer for every dropped 911 call and they answer all alpha calls immediately however i still get need an explanation of what the heck an alpha call is but uh, our officers fill in for crossing guards when we don't have them. They've been known to help a resident with his walker and groceries, make it safely to his doorstep. And the most recent one was they were driving by West Endicott, which we do not patrol, but they saw a house fire and they stopped to assist until the fire department got there. They, They do a lot of private things like this that people don't even know about. We have our own bomb squad, robot, and SWAT team because of IBM. And we used to have an, uh, a RIP team, which is for rapid response like the sheriff has now. And hopefully we can start filling our vacancies. Finding police officers now is very difficult. We have two vacancies we're willing to pay for but can't find candidates through the civil service. And as soon as we do, we would like to redo that again. And perhaps working with the sheriff's office would solve that problem, and we'd love to work with them. Um, at our last board meeting, a trustee said that crime is running rampant. And 
and, and he's right in, for the whole country. The whole country's having a lot of, uh, increase in crime, especially with relationship to drugs. And we're no exception. And our, we're all having trouble finding more policemen. But our guys are loyal and dedicated to the village. So I just want people to know that we're really doing our best. And I think we're doing a bang up job. I think we just need to tell people more. I think it's more of a communication gap and a perception than it is anything else, Bob. What about the way the, sheriff's department did the um stepped up enforcement the targeted crime response was was the village police department notified was there um sort of a a cooperative effort because uh, it occurs to me that when um more than one law enforcement agency is active in an area that that potentially there could be uh, confusion or miscommunication if uh, everybody's not on the same page. How, how did things work during July and August when this targeted response was underway by the sheriff's office? We had no idea they were here. The board didn't know. I didn't know. But more importantly, my police didn't know. He didn't talk to them at all. However, I, I want to be really fair with this. I don't want to have this be a one-sided thing by myself. I do believe maybe now that we have brought it to his attention, maybe now he will start working with our police and we can really make this a doable situation because the idea, the premise is excellent. We just need to uh, have better communication and follow through because I guess he said he was contacted by a resident or something, which could be. I mean, our residents don't know what our police are doing and they could have called the sheriff, which is a good idea because we do pay Broome County taxes. We do pay state state taxes. Our our sheriff and state are in our, state troopers are in our area, but we really need to coordinate. When we call in the sheriff or the state police, everybody's on the same page, and we do call them in if we have, like with those shootings, you know very well we called in everybody because this was a serious situation. We aren't used to the, well, I'm personally not used to this situation, so I'm glad they called them in, but no, they never let us know they were there. I think that was the, the biggest problem, that they didn't tell us they were coming they just came in did it and left it's 10 37 we're talking with endicott mayor linda jackson as far as say response to major crimes and 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 serious situations whether it's a shooting in endicott or johnson city or binghamton or vestal it is clear and i've seen this happen in fact it just happened last friday afternoon um, on sturgis street in binghamton city police uh, got assistance from the sheriff's office because they had a situation there of um, not knowing, say, if somebody was inside one of the, the homes there, uh, possibly armed. And and so I've seen all, that kind of interagency work happen almost every week and, and covering the news around here and, and that kind of ongoing cooperation, especially for incidents that develop when you need as many resources as possible on the scene, it, it certainly is important. And as you mentioned, say, sadly, with the, um, the the homicide instance that happened earlier this summer in Endicott, very unusual, but the timing was, was certainly uh, of concern that they happened so close together, and certainly with the sheriff's office and state police and even the other neighboring police agencies, that's, that's very critical for for uh, successful law enforcement operations. Yeah, for that second one, our police officer was there within one minute. He heard the shot. 
And uh, so our guys were always there first, but we also go to other agencies. We go to the state police and we go to the sheriff. We also go to Vestal in Johnson City. And a Vestal person was telling me the other day that they had an incident in the four corners and our guys were there first. They happened to be close. It's municipal aid. We all, we all help each other. And we went over there and I'm sure there's time when Vestal hurried up to get to our area when we need it. So we work with the state police, the sheriff and all the other agencies. It's just the way it should be. Everybody should work together. But in this instance with, with the sheriff's tactical team, you really should coordinate with the, with the local police. And I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure that going forward, that's going to happen. I, I have very good confidence in us working together on this. Here's an address you hear too much about. Um, well, I won't mention the specific address. It's a house at Monroe Street and Lincoln Avenue, but it's been in the news several times, including recently, just uh, less than a week ago, because there were gunshots reported in that area of Monroe Street. And I know that the police were there one night last week around 8.30, and they interviewed people, and apparently a car was hit by gunfire. And then just three and a half hours later, there's a report of another shot fired in that area. Uh, clearly, there have been problems reported by uh, neighbors and others, even people at a medical office nearby, uh, specific to this this one house. And I know as part of the uh, news release that was put out by the police, the um, village has been working to address the issue. What what might happen with a, a place that, that certainly has been a real problem spot. We've got this in the Superior Court right now. We've been working on this for a couple of months. We have something called SEPTED. It's Crime Prevention Through Environmental Design. It's kind of like the old windows therapy on steroids. The old windows therapy just had the code department give violations and close down people places where we involve the police and all my department heads on these problems. And we've had these people in court. If you've ever driven by the particular property you're talking about, you'll realize why we've been in court so often. And with the new regulations and all the red tape, uh, it's very, very much against us doing what we need to do. It's uh, They tie our hands on a lot of things, but we're diligent and we keep going. And our, our uh, uh, attorney just said in our last meeting that he's hoping to have everything locked down and the people evicted shortly. And then we can start cleaning that place up. And once we clean it up, um, we can hope that maybe we won't have to deal with this the, the people that are there, I don't know where they're going to move to, though. You know, Bob, that's another thing. We evict these people, we lock down the properties, and then they just go to another place and cause problems. So we've got to find a way to make it even more permanent so they can't disturb anything else in Endicott. So we're working on legal legal ramifications as as we speak, and the lawyers have it in the Superior Court right now. But it is terrible, not just the shootings, but even before the shootings, if you went by this property, you'd you'd see why it's really annoying to everybody who lives there and drives by well there's a lot of garbage around on on both sides of the house and behind it but on the plus side they have um, a big american flag on display so that's <laughs> that's I, nice I, well it is garden. i mean it shows shows that somebody's heart was in the right place but um <laughs> I, I did speak with one of the people who lives there after uh oh. the the episode last week and and he, he gave me sort of a, a rundown of what's been going on in recent months. Um, 
And and he said one of the things he said is that um, he call them, calls them kids. I mean, I don't know if they were teenagers or people in their twenties, but anyway, uh, in a lot of cases, maybe they're playing with. Um, if not real guns, but, you know, those airsoft guns or BB guns. But the, the danger with those guns is um, they're so realistic looking. Sometime, unfortunately, a, a teenager or somebody in their 20s uh, fooling around with a realistic looking gun is is liable to be shot either by a resident or or by police. And then it's it's going to it's going to take a nasty turn, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's a definite possibility. That's why um, when you go out to buy cap guns for your children, I wanted to go buy one for my grandson. Even in the state of Texas, I couldn't buy the old silver ones like we used to get. You have to buy something orange or something so they can't be misconstrued. But as you say, with the or with the uh, air guns and the BB guns, they are and they're dangerous too. They can they can put your eye out just like the old TV show said. So it is a problem, and that's why our police have got to be have got to be careful and not shoot first. They've got to be very, very careful, and that must be a terrible, stressful situation for any any police officer, sheriff, local police, anybody. That's got to be hard on them. Split second decisions are are difficult, knowing that no matter what mm-hmm. you do, it's going to be it's going to be analyzed by by everyone. Uh, one thing I point would point out at that house, and the person I spoke with noted that. He wrote this sign on, on the front of the house. Notice, this house is not a trap house or to hang out. Find somewhere else to hang out. And so, sadly, though, you know, it's, it's pretty difficult to keep people out of some of these places. And, and to that point, this is not um, the only location like it in the Triple Cities. I'm seeing more and more of these places called trap houses where people mm. are just hanging out using drugs, bringing their guns, sometimes prostitution, all sorts of of stuff that is not good for the community. Do you know, are there other um, so-called trap houses uh, around the village that that the police have been monitoring? Mainly we're going after the... uh the illegal sales of the marijuana, the sticker stores, we've got about four of them being closed down. I haven't heard about trap houses in the village, but there might be. The police would know better than I would about that. But uh, that's a very different that's the very different thing. The Fourth Amendment prevents us from going into places without real justifiable cause and a court order to look for drugs and guns. You can't just walk into somebody's house unless you've got a darn good reason. And that's very, very hard to to uh to prove in court because we've got so many amendments protecting people's rights and I'm not against people's rights so it's a it's a sticky situation but I don't know of any trap houses but as I say I could ask the police and get back to you on that just out of curiosity all right I think I've seen a couple but I'm no expert um right. now well we have a, a couple of minutes I know people have been wondering about the status of the demolition of the abandoned they're not technically abandoned but they're unused ibm buildings to the east of mckinley avenue those buildings i believe there are five buildings that haven't been used for several years are going to be demolished what's the status of the planned demolition i was lucky enough to run into the vice president of phoenix on saturday and i did get an update he said his people are in there now 
people he's hired. They're taking apart the plumbing and all the other utilities, and they're getting the place ready. I guess they have to be prepared for the asbestos. So they're inside working now, taking care of the inside, and they should be ready for demolition. I'm hoping by, by the end of October at the very latest. He, that's what his plans are at this point. So maybe we'll see them down before the end of the year. Uh, I think it's going to take like six months for them to all come down. Though I was talking to Gore Construction, who are going to do the demolition, and they said they have to be very, very careful because they don't want any of the asbestos to get out into the air, and we don't know what else might be there. There could be mold. I mean, those buildings have been closed a long time. So they have to be extremely careful about airborne uh problems in the area so it might take six months to be on the safe side but the landfill room county landfill is prepared to take the asbestos that's where it has to go they have a special place for it so they're putting in all the uh, concerns for us we don't want any contamination in the village we've had enough what would it what will it mean once those buildings are gone and that section along north street between mckinley avenue and hayes avenue is is all vacant and potentially as as they say potentially shovel ready for future projects what what would that mean for Endicott and also for the town of Union because the section of land where the forging works used to be actually is uh, just outside the village well actually it's right up to Hayes Avenue the forge is still in the village oh that's right and yeah the I, I yeah. forgot the um yeah, the village line is, is very close there. It's interesting the way that, that kind of meanders over there. Well, the plan is this, Bob. We're going to make it shovel-ready, and then we're hoping uh, Imperium or a company like that, Imperium is going after grants to expand, although right now they're talking about expanding in the buildings behind where they are now. But we're hoping that they would expand to that, and then where the forging is, we would like to make that into a parking lot. I I don't know who owns it. Uh, I've come up with a bunch of ideas. Even even Huron hasn't answered me if they own it or not, but uh, I was told that we were going to be given, the village was going to be given the property to make into a park or a parking lot, and it would be in our best interest to let uh, Huron, or I'm sorry, Phoenix take it over and use it for parking and have their whole uh, area all the way from McKinley Avenue all the way to that forging works in manufacturing business, make it all into a business, because once the business is, is the, the facility is built and there's tenants in there, we can finally go back to the assessor and ask to have that property reassessed. That means a lot of difference for the village, for the school, and for the town of Union in the way of taxes. We need to get back to where we were when IBM was there. And the good part about this is we've got a lot of different tenants in Phoenix, so it's not like IBM left and that emptied all the buildings. With all these different tenants, we have a better chance that if it's all occupied, and I have talked to the president of Phoenix about this. He knows he knows that eventually we would like to have it reassessed, but he said if he's got tenants and they can they have all this money coming in, there's no reason they shouldn't pay taxes. They're not they're not against it. They're they're very easygoing uh, on common sense ideas. So we can finally get back up to where we were and maybe start uh, paying for more police and more fire and and everything else that we need. What's the status of the closed church on McKinley Avenue? I heard that uh, that acquisition may be uh, about to be completed or maybe it's been completed. Has it actually been uh, sold? And, and what will happen with that site? Well, the story is 
that they were given till September, sometime this month, to come up with the money. However, even Jason Garner couldn't find out who made the act, who made the offer. We don't know who's made the offer, and nobody can find out what they're going to do with it, whether they're going to make it into apartments or what. They haven't come to the village for any information. They haven't come to code for any any uh, permits or anything else. So we haven't heard that it definitely got sold. I have people who know people in the church, and they have asked, and they haven't been given any answer. But uh, perhaps Wednesday when we have another church meeting, I can find out if they've gotten any information that the government hasn't got. So we really don't know what's going to happen if this person doesn't buy it and it's still up for sale there are other ideas that have been planned but it all depends on money it depends on who can come up with the money to be continued and account mayor linda jackson thank you for being with us on this tuesday morning thanks so much bob Ten fifty-two, live and local bob joseph with a few questions getting a few answers for you every day on wnbf A summer song. Ah. Ah. Summer forecast. Mostly sunny today, 69. Clear tonight, 45. Sunny tomorrow, 71. And Thursday, sunny, 72. Bob Joseph with you on WNBF. Did I mention there's a baseball playoff game tonight? Yeah, Rumble Ponies live here on WNBF coverage beginning at 620. Enjoy. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Gradual clearing today, high near 69. Mostly clear tonight, low around 45. Sunny Wednesday, high near 71. Police are looking for a man who fired several shots in the parking lot of an American Legion where a young girl's birthday party was underway. The shooting occurred shortly after 7 p.m. Saturday at the American Legion Post 80 at 76 Main Street. Police said five 9mm shell casings were located in the parking lot at Main and Walnut Streets. According to detectives, a black man wearing a blue sweatsuit fired several rounds at a group outside the American Legion building. Before fleeing the area, two of the men who were fired upon were seen with handguns. No injuries were reported. The gunfire erupted as a birthday party for a two-year-old girl was being held on the second floor of the American Legion. The man who fired the shots had been sitting in a car in the parking lot before he got out of the vehicle. A person familiar with the incident said he pulled out a pistol and started shooting toward the group of men. The shooter was chased from the scene. Police had the car he left in the parking lot towed away. Detectives have not released the name of a suspect or possible motive in the shooting. 
Binghamton police confiscated an assault rifle and two loaded magazines following a shots fired call. Authorities said Thomas Lewis of Binghamton was charged with four counts of criminal possession of a weapon. Police were called to 5 Sturgis Street for a report of a gunfire. The house was searched, but officers did not find any evidence of a recent shooting. Several people, including Lewis, were detained for questioning. Investigators say that he was a person of interest in connection with a weapon complaint that occurred at 3 Sturgis Street last Wednesday evening. Police searched the house and found an AK-47 assault rifle and two loaded magazines. Binghamton officials have not indicated whether the lockdown law could be used to address the criminal activity in the Sturgis Street neighborhood. A routine traffic stop in Binghamton led to multiple felony charges for a stolen weapon and drugs possession in Binghamton over the weekend. During the early morning hours on September 16th, Broome County Sheriff's Office deputy performed a traffic stop on a 2014 Ford Escape on Court Street in Binghamton. While speaking with the driver, Mayton Evdell of Johnson City, Sheriff's deputies noticed a clear plastic bag filled with pills and powder in a fanny bag that he was wearing. When questioned, Abdel admitted to possessing illegal substances on both his person and in the vehicle he was driving. He also identified a weapon hidden in his hoodie pocket. After searching Abdel and the vehicle, deputies recovered several types of drugs along with 380 caliber semi-automatic pistol with a defaced serial number and two rounds of ammunition in the magazine. Abdel was taken into custody and arraigned in Binghamton City Court, being currently held in the Broome County Correctional Facility. On Thursday, September 7th, Delaware County Sheriff's deputies reported to an assault complaint involving a juvenile located at the DCMO BOCES in the town of Masonville. Preliminary investigation by deputies revealed that a physical altercation had occurred where the victim was physically injured and pressure had been applied to the victim's throat. Upon conclusion of their investigation, deputies subsequently arrested and charged the juvenile of Unadilla with one count of assault, third degree, for physical injuring the victim, and one count of criminal obstruction of breathing, both Class A misdemeanors of the New York State Penal Law. The juvenile and their parents were issued juvenile appearances tickets and were directed to report to the Delaware County Probation Department at a later date to answer the charges. State police in Pennsylvania say nine teenage boys who escaped from a detention center are back in custody. A Pennsylvania state police spokesman said they were captured early Monday after being on the run for less than 12 hours. He said the four youths turned themselves in after hours in the run because they were cold and tired. Five others were captured less than five miles from the detention center in or near a truck and trailer that had been reported stolen. The nine youths originally escaped from an academy around 8 p.m. on Sunday after overpowering staff. The academy is an enclosed residential treatment program northwest of Philadelphia. And a tape package containing several thousand dollars worth of fentanyl was discovered inside the New York City daycare center where a one-year-old child died of an opioid overdose last week. But the owner of the daycare center... Uh, maintained she had no knowledge of the presence of the highly potent opioid. Her attorney noted she had rented a room in the apartment to a man who may have been responsible for the drug operation. She pleaded not guilty in court Sunday night to the charges and was awaiting arraignment. The attorney did not immediately respond to a request for comment. 
That's a look at your news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. And away we go. Another big hour with Bob Joseph, Binghamton now. Phone calls will be accepted at 607-772-1290. Do you have what it takes to put those 10 digits together in the right sequence so you can speak on the air? Go ahead. Try it. You'll like it. Try it. you like it. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Juanito from uh, Binghamton. <laughs> well, you know, well welcome you're... welcome to our little gab fest. Since you're, you're big on uh, identification, you know, uh, that was real, real news, uh, what uh, Mayor Jackson said on your program uh, just a while back here. Uh, everybody thought that, but the fact that she confirmed it, uh, a tremendous bombshell. Uh, you know, uh, back the blue. I back the blue. Which blue are we backing? Are we backing Team Akshar or the lawful, lawfully chartered village police force in Endicott? Uh, this shows, this shows without a doubt uh, that Fred Akshar is a power grabbing animal he wants to be the head of the a county-wide police force whatever uh, shape it takes he will use anything to do it including going now and you want to talk about something bob uh look at this uh, rfk thing with this guy with a uf u.s marshal's badge and uh, uh two pistols uh you know, when you're operating in somebody's territory like that, like that he did, with without authorization, without a heads up, that is a tremendous, there's a tremendous possibility of uh, something tragic happen uh, with a friendly fire. So, I mean, this guy is, is totally irresponsible, uh, totally unaccountable. He wants to be the big kahuna here. And he's a danger. He's a danger, my friend, to everybody in this community. He is not on the community side. He's on Fred Akshar's side, and he's working with another fella uh, to make an empire out of it. Well, it is an interesting situation, and I have just invited Sheriff Akshar to call into the program because I thought it was appropriate for him to respond directly and uh, hopefully as quickly as possible to what Mayor Jackson had to say about the operation that was announced last week in a, in a news release. So um, I, I am hoping to be able to uh, ask uh, Sheriff Akshar some questions about uh, how this was conducted and also the point that she raised that uh, the Endicott police had not been given a heads up before the um, the targeted program got underway. Let me make two brief points here. Uh, who would be a potential, a potential, and I'm not saying he's interested, I've only talked to the guy once, uh, who would be a potential 
uh, candidate for sheriff in the future might be Pat Gary. Might be. He's got more law enforcement experience than Fred Akshar has at a higher level. So uh, that might, this might be an attempt uh, by the big kahuna with the beard uh, to uh, to send a warning shot. Now, am, are we supposed to uh, uh, assume that a resident of Binghamton calls the sheriff's department and say, get over here on such and such a street at such and such a time, and they're not going to call their buddy, their Buffalo Bills buddy, Joe Zakuski, and tell them they're coming? This guy is out of control, this Sheriff Akshar. He's a big kahuna with a beard, and he better cool his jets, because I'll tell you something. This has serious ramifications for every individual department. He wants to create a resource officer uh, operation that would be the second largest police department in the area in addition to his uh, thing. So he better stick to his own knitting and worry about all the drugs coming into the jail and worry about everything else and leave the taxpayers and the village officials, uh, uh, you know, keep keep uh, uh, them informed of what he's doing because he is a danger to this community, Bob. Thank you, John, from Binghamton. And... Again, I, I have been in touch with uh, Sheriff Akshar's office, and we are endeavoring to have uh, Sheriff Akshar on at about 11.45. So we'll see if we can do that this uh, morning to get a few answers, ask a few questions, and get a few answers from Sheriff Fred Akshar about the targeted crime response in Endicott, as uh, was announced in a news release about a week ago, they wound up making a twenty, a total of 20 felony arrests, 19 misdemeanor arrests involving things like weapons and drugs, three illegal shotguns, and one illegal handgun were confiscated during the targeted enforcement period in Endicott. Since the start of this year, the sheriff's office has recovered eight illegal weapons, four shotguns and four handguns in Endicott. So stay tuned. We're here for you. And, of course, we're this program is open to everybody. Uh, I know some people think, well, Bob, you're just saying that. Why do you have say, the mayors from Endicott and Johnson City on only? Why don't you have other mayors on? Why do you have the police chiefs from Endicott and Johnson City only? Why don't you have other police chiefs on? Hey, everybody, well, look, everybody is welcome to the program. And they know it. I will roll out, figuratively speaking, the red carpet for for anybody from law enforcement in Broome or Tioga County. Some some have been on the program before. Some no longer appear. And they, they have their reasons. That's true not just of law enforcement. That's true of other people who used to appear on the program. Some used to appear with enthusiasm. And then, at what point their enthusiasm waned? Which, hey, that's, that's the story of life. A lot of people dive into something with uh, excitement and enthusiasm. And then after a few questions, it's like, gee, I really don't want to give any answers. So, I mean, just last week, 
just last week we had Major Jeffrey Van Auken from the New York State Police. He's commander of State Police Troop C with the uh, counties here in the southern tier. He was in the studio. So, again, anybody who is operating under the assumption that this program does not provide uh, a fair opportunity for all, I mean, that that certainly is, is not the right impression to come away with. This station... And more specifically, this particular host who serves as a community facilitator. Hey, we're, we're open to all. Everyone. And I mean, pretty much literally everyone. I, I know somebody will say, well, what if so and so wants to come on the program and come up with like the most bizarre choice for a name? And so you could probably find someone somewhere in Broome or Tioga County would not be welcome on this program. I can't imagine who that person would be. I really can't, but so I'll say virtually everyone is welcome on this program because we're friends. I am a friend to all. I want everyone to succeed. I want everyone to do better. I want everyone to have the best day ever. Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Golf Toyota. WNBF a Tuesday morning. We welcome back to the program Karen Sweet O'Neill. Coincidentally, the following live segment is sponsored by KSL Insurance Solutions. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How doing? Oh, everything is uh, A-okay. A-okay. Very good. Glad to hear it. So give us a preview of tomorrow's informative segment here on WNBF. Okay. So what we're going to talk about tomorrow is... Should you purchase or get, you know, get it paid for through your employer, because they usually pony up a certain amount um, of insurance, because a lot of employers will offer life insurance, sometimes a group um, long-term care slash hybrid product, um, disability insurance, and all these other uh Sometimes they do AFLAC, you know, cancer policies, that kind of thing. And people, I think, get a little bit confused. Should I buy that? Is that a good deal? Um, You know, there's sometimes a window, Bob, where they call it a guaranteed issue. That's really important because if there's a guaranteed issue, and we'll talk specifically about that tomorrow, that means you can't be turned down, and that's usually a very short period of time that a company um, will offer that through an insurance company. And so you really want to pay attention to that. And is it better to get your own or get the company-sponsored plan? And what would be the differences in prices? And when is it good to get your own? And should you have both? So we're going to talk about all those things tomorrow. Very important. And also, what if you're not working any longer? What should you do and what kind of insurances do you need? We are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East. 
And that's up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore, um, up above the old Howard's Floors for some people that knew that. And you drive right up to us. We're one level. You can reach us several ways for an appointment. You can simply call 607-772-4898. You can also Google us at KSO Insurance. All our contact information comes up, including our website or if you miss the phone number, go to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. Karen Sweet O'Neill will be on tomorrow morning right here on WNBF. I'll look forward to chatting with you. Very good. I look forward to talking with you as well, and have a great rest of the day, Bob. Thanks. And the preceding segment was sponsored by KSO. Insurance Solutions. 1124, Bob Joseph taking phone calls at 607-772-1290. Coming up next, we focus on Hunter Biden taking action against the Internal Revenue Service. That's next. Live, local, in living color. WNBF. At WNBF, Hunter Biden has sued the taxman, the Internal Revenue Service. Mr. Biden claims two agents publicly alleging tax probe interference wrongly shared his personal information, a case that comes amid escalating legal and political struggles. As the big game looms, the big game, 2024 election. According to the Associated Press, the agents targeted and sought to embarrass Mr. Biden with the sharing of confidential tax information in interviews and testimony before Congress. It's according to the suit, his lawyers argue whistleblower protections don't apply, but a lawyer for one agent said any confidential information release came under whistleblower authorization and called the suit a frivolous smear. Sounds like the name of um, a new rock group that's going to have its first performance at the arena on Halloween. Frivolous smear. Opening act, Bob Dillman. The lawsuit marks the latest legal pushback from Hunter Biden as a long-running federal investigation into him unfolds against a sharply political backdrop. That includes an impeachment inquiry aimed at his dad, the man from Scranton, Joe Biden, seeking to tie him to his son's business dealings. According to the suit, Mr. Biden is the son of the President of the United States. He has all the same responsibilities as any other American citizen. And the IRS can and should make certain that he abides by those responsibilities. As in, pay your taxes. 
Similarly, Mr. Biden has no fewer or lesser rights than any other American citizen, and no government agency or government agent has free reign to violate his rights simply because of who he is or because of who his dad is. Suit says the IRS hasn't done enough to halt the airing of his personal information. I saw there is a, a guy, he shows up on the 60 Minutes show on TV. He's talking about Hunter Biden. He's an IRS guy. You can't, can't be blabbing. Can't be blabbing about a, a case, an unresolved legal case on TV on the 60 Minutes show. The IRS declined to comment. Well, of course the IRS did. I would expect nothing less. I mean, what can they do? What can they say? As they pointed out, there's pending litigation. So when litigation is pending, by all means, do not comment. Any attorney will say, I've got litigation pending. Yeah, that'd be a good time to put out a press release. No, no, don't. Ixnay on the press release. No. Yeah, but the people from AP want a statement. We can't give them a statement. We know that they're obligated to request a statement. They also know that we're not likely to give a statement because of pending litigation. So the reporters do what they need to do, and then the IRS does what it needs to do because of litigation that probably won't be over for a long time. So anyway, uh, good for Hunter Biden. You know, think about, think about, say, if it was you or your son or daughter or sibling or mom or dad. What if they were on 60 Minutes, the 60 Minutes show, talking about your tax deal? I mean, come on. (laughs) What kind of country allows that? No country allows that. I don't believe. That'd be strange. A country that allows that? Hmm. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, just because he filed suit doesn't mean he's going to get anywhere. Because after all, it is the federal government. But uh, I think it's a very interesting case. 11.32 11.32 at WNBF, WNBF.com. What else is going on in the wide world of news? Oh, we did do uh, an update for those who were curious about the local restaurant scene. Social on State. The restaurant Social on State, which has actually been open for close to a decade, doesn't seem possible. But Social on State launched its operations in June 2014. Well, Social on State is closed at this time. It has suspended operations. Business stopped operating for the time being. That was a little over a week ago. It's on 201 State Street. And sign at the entrance to the restaurant says business will be closed until further notice. If you want more information about what's going on over there, 
check out our website, WNBF.com. A website that provides local news. Look at all that local news. We mentioned the um, gunfire that erupted outside a Binghamton birthday party for a two-year-old girl. So there's a story. And then also the latest on an AK-47 assault rifle being seized on Binghamton's north side in a neighborhood that's been plagued by guns and drugs. And also the story about uh, the latest on social on state. So check out our website, WNBF.com. More stories coming at you today. Remember, WNBF.com is available at any time, 24-7, to provide you with information. 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph, live at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Seven thirty-eight WNBM. You know what I mean when I say you know what I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Well, here's an idea that probably will be coming to New York State soon, where the state is not allowed to buy single-use plastic bottles. Can you imagine that in New York State? Can you imagine if they imposed a ban on state agencies being able to purchase single-use plastic bottles? Well, I don't think that exists right now. In New York State. Maybe it does. But I haven't heard about it. Now, the ban has uh, just been announced for Massachusetts. One of our fine neighbors, Governor Maura Healy, has announced that state agencies won't be able to purchase single-use plastic bottles. She said... The order will make Massachusetts the first state in the nation to enact such a procurement ban. So, who's to say that Governor Kathy Hochul won't follow suit? She's The only reason she won't, I believe, is because then people will point out that New York wasn't first. So, maybe, maybe because Kathy Hochul didn't invent the idea or at least didn't implement the idea first in New York, and that uh, Governor Maura Healey in Massachusetts beat her to the punch, maybe it won't be adopted here in New York State, but you never know. Nobody can predict what any governor will do. The Massachusetts governor said, we know that plastic waste, plastic production are among the leading threats to our oceans, our climate, and environmental justice. I think that's accurate. I think that's quite true. All that plastic, think about it. Think of how many plastic bottles you might use. 
in a week or a month or a year. Some people probably use hundreds of plastic bottles, single-use plastic bottles. And think about the threat to the environment, the dangers, the dangers of all that plastic. Boggles the mind. Billions, billions and billions of plastic bottles, water bottles, soda bottles, Iced tea bottles. Governor's announcement came just one day after thousands of climate activists and protesters marched in New York City to demand the Biden administration move the United States away from the use of fossil fuels. This story on uh, WBUR.org, WBUR is a Boston station. The story says... Plastic waste contributes to pollution and microplastics contamination. It also increases carbon emissions as plastic is made of fossil fuels. A place in Massachusetts known as Concord, I think that's where they invented the grape, Concord, Massachusetts was the first municipality in the nation to ban the use or ban the sale of plastic bottles in its town stores, and that happened in 2012, so it happened more than a decade ago. Now, several other towns and cities in Massachusetts have adopted similar bans. Well, they could do that here in um, Binghamton, right? Binghamton City Council supporting an environmental cause. Can you imagine if Binghamton City Council would ban the sale of plastic bottles? That would get Binghamton some attention. The order by Massachusetts Governor Haley wouldn't go as far as the town bans, but it would instead prohibit state agencies from purchasing single-use plastic bottles. So it sounds like at least it's a step in the right direction. Stop all this waste of plastic. Try zillions, zillions, and zillions of plastic bottles going straight to the landfill. Not a waste. 1143 WNBF. Let's go back to the phones. Hi, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? I'm the uh, Cub reporter from the west side of Binghamton. My name is Ron. Hi, Ron. What's going on? Well, I, I'm driving down the road, and I just heard about the uh, plastic bottle thing. And, you know, it, it jumped into my head. I, I have a... Uh, Brita, uh, it's a brand name, Brita water filter. I, you know, the water from the tap goes into the filter and I, I drink the water at home like that. And, uh, you know, we used to, way back, uh, drink water from a tap or find a, find a source of water. Now everyone has to drink fancy waters, uh, from plastic bottles. Yeah, hang on, hang on. Hold that thought. Hold on. Hold, yeah. hold that thought. Hi, WNBF. Your call is important to me. I'm Bob Joseph. Who's on the line? Bob, Fred Akshar, how are you? Oh, the sheriff of Broome County. Thank you for calling in. Uh, can you hang on for just a second, and then I'll ask you a few questions about the initiative in Endicott? Indeed, thanks. Okay. Just wanted to make sure we didn't lose Sheriff Akshar. Okay, Ron. Uh, um, so, 
Yeah, we'll we'll uh, be talking with the sheriff in just a moment. But wrapping up your your point about the bottles. Yeah, yeah. The point is, uh, you know, uh, if you would have told us, Bob, if we could have invested fifty years ago in water, we would we would have left. Uh, we're going to sell water to people, which is you know free. Uh, and uh, this is the mess we've gotten into now. And you know, everyone has to drink a fancy water and. Uh, you know, and that's where all this plastic is coming from. So, folks, um, drink from your garden hose or put it through your Brita filter and uh, <laughs> make it breathe. Save the planet. All right. Thank you, Ron. Or why not drink delicious milk and support New York's dairy farmers? It's 1145. We're joined now live by Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar. So about a week ago, you announced the results of a targeted crime response in Endicott. There have been a lot of uh, gun and drug-related incidents in the village this year. Uh, I wanted to get you on the program today to respond to what Mayor Linda Jackson told us last hour. She said that the initiative by the sheriff's office was not... Um, was not communicated to the Endicott police before it started. Well, if I ever thought that Mayor Jackson lived under a rock, I think this is a perfect example of, of uh, that being uh, evidence that, in fact, she does. Uh, my relationship with uh, Chief Gary has never been stronger. Uh, Chief Gary and I communicate on a, on a regular basis. Um, and as a matter of fact, some of the initiative uh, initiatives that we um, conducted over the a period of 30 days was in, in conjunction in concert with the Endicott Police Department, as I said during my interview with uh, WBNG. So uh, I'm not sure where she uh, has arrived at that, 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 um, that suggestion or that statement, but um, you know, I would suggest uh, to the mayor that, that she um, maybe brush up on her facts before uh, she comes on your show and, and speaks to your, your listeners. So this initiative, the targeted crime response in the village, was communicated to the village police chief, Patrick Gary, before it started? Yes, and again, I, I communicate on a regular basis with not only Chief Gary, but uh, with all of the police chiefs. And at the end of the day, Bob, my responsibility is to the people of Broome County. Um, and when there's a matter of public safety, uh, the people should should understand and and know that uh, as their sheriff, uh, I am going to respond accordingly uh, and address public safety related issues as they arise. Uh, look no further than uh, the details of, of the targeted response uh, in the village. I mean, I think the numbers speak for themselves. And, um, you know, we in this community have a, a really a great relationship uh, amongst uh, the police departments and the office of the sheriff, uh, we continuously work together uh, to address public safety related matters uh, because that's what the people expect. Um, you know, and frankly, if the mayor wanted to help address public safety matters, uh, she would make more investments in the police department. She would allow the police chief to hire uh, more police officers to put them on the streets uh, rather than cast blame uh, and suggest that. Uh, the office of the sheriff and the and the chief weren't communicating effectively. Is this targeted crime response in Endicott over for now? I think any time that there are public safety related matters and people are uh, calling the office of the sheriff um, and expressing their concerns, the people should know that we will continue to address those needs as they arise. Um, I don't have any plans uh, to do additional details 
as we speak on the phone today. Uh, but if, if that need arises, then the chief and I will be in communication with one another. Uh, we will um, work together uh, to address the public safety needs uh, regardless of where they're happening. And you know what? I know that if I were having an issue in Endwell and I needed the help, I could call Chief Gary, uh, ask him for help, uh, and he, he would provide that assistance. So, again, I'm, I, I think probably, um, you know, the mayor is just struggling with her, um, her you know, uh, own situations that she has and looking to cast blame, and, and that's fine. Uh, certainly she's entitled to do that, but uh, I suggest she uh, come from underneath the rock that she's living um, and um, you know, maybe arm herself with some facts uh, prior to suggesting to the community uh, what is happening. Is the sheriff's office launching any other targeted crime response operations similar to what happened earlier this summer in Endicott? You know, what we continue to do, Bob, is uh, to really look at uh, the data. And, you know, we are on a, uh, on a regular basis pouring over data that uh, the Office of the Sheriff has um, and, um, like, readjusting our priorities based on what is happening out in the community. So, um, you know, as, as things pop up, we will continue to address those, those issues because at the end of the day, that's what, that's what the people expect um, uh, of their sheriff. And, you know, I'm not going to apologize uh, to Mayor Jackson for the good work uh, that the police department uh, the office of the sheriff are doing on a daily basis. Uh, I'm just not going to do that. And I'll tell you why I'm not going to do that. Uh, because uh, since uh, we conducted this uh, joint operation, um, I can't tell you the amount of phone calls, emails, uh, and other correspondence that we've received from uh, the public thanking us uh, for the work that we did um, in Endicott in a short period of time. Um, and, you know, maybe Linda Jackson ought to, again, crawl underneath, the, uh, crawl from the rock that she's sleeping underneath and, um, you know, start to address some of these issues uh, herself, and she'd understand uh, the importance uh, of these issues. She'd understand that, that the people that she is supposed to be representing um, want to see uh, results, uh, and, and that is just the truth of the matter. Would Binghamton Police Chief Joseph Sikoski want you to do this type of operation in the city? Because we've had uh, some serious incidents involving guns and drugs over the last several weeks here. Chief Zakuski and I have a, a, a remarkable re relationship, uh, as is evidenced in the work that the Special Investigations Unit Task Force does on a daily basis. So I would argue that, that we're already doing that uh, on a daily basis. We have our members working together, uh, and uh, they are addressing um, issues from quality of life issues to uh, homicide investigations to gun investigations, narcotics investigations. It happens on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I think uh, Chief Zakuski would um, say the same thing I'm saying. We, we are proud of the work that our, our membership uh, are, are doing on a daily basis. Do you have a targeted operation underway right at this moment in Binghamton? I saw a couple of your uh, special unit officers at work over on the west side yesterday afternoon. Is that part of a targeted operation? No, I, I'm, if you're talking about the community engagement folks, uh, this is a separate initiative, um, something that we stood up after we assumed office in January. This is um, a, a member of law enforcement, a member of corrections that are, you know, going out every day to community events and engaging with the community and ensuring that the public knows. Well, these guys weren't saying. engaged with the community. The, these guys were definitely part of a, a special unit engaged with one individual. I, I don't know what 
would ultimately happen with him. But uh, I guess one final question, because we only have uh, a few moments left. Should Broome County have a single police department? I think that's up to the people. I mean, I think what, what we have in Broome County is working. Um, I think everyone is doing their, their best uh, within their respective jurisdictions to provide the best service that they possibly can. And, um, you know, we are all helping each other out as we do on a, on a, regular, on a regular basis. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, if the people wanted something like that, uh, then they would start to talk about that. But nonetheless, uh, I think, you know, if history um, teaches us anything, uh, this issue has been a- approached a couple of times in our community, and, and it didn't go anywhere. So, I Well, think 50, people- 50 years ago, the district attorney, I believe Patrick Monserati, proposed a single police agency for the county. And you're right, it didn't go anywhere. Here we are, though, 2023, crime is still a serious issue. Do you, as sheriff, believe that a single police agency might be more efficient and might work better in addressing things like guns and drugs on Broome County streets? You know, I'm certainly not there uh, as we speak on the phone today, but I I would suggest that any partnership or program that enhances public safety um, and benefits uh, the residents, you know, should certainly be uh, explored and, and supported by all. So, um, that's where I am. I'm going to continue uh, as the Broome County Sheriff to respond to people's public safety needs. I'm going to continue to work um, with my partners in law enforcement to address uh, public safety related matters. And I'm certainly not going to let people like Linda Jackson get in my way of doing that. Would you be interested in being the chief of a Broome County police agency, a, a single countywide agency? I have to give it to you, Bob. You you have a knack for asking the same question many different ways. Uh, my answer is the same. I am uh, not focused on that issue. I'm, I'm focused on being the best sheriff I can. I'm focused on uh, continuing to work with my partners in, in law enforcement and public safety to make sure Broome County is uh, the safest it can possibly be. Are you going to be announcing any new initiatives in the next few weeks? Um, we are, um, and when we're, we're prepared to do that, um, I will certainly invite you uh, to, the, to the press conference. I will say that uh, the, the next one we're announcing uh, has to do with the correctional facility. So look forward to talking to you about that in the, in the coming weeks. Well, we also, of course, will extend our invitation for you to come back in the studio to talk about law enforcement issues. Love to be there, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll speak to Manny about it, and uh, we'll set it up. Thank you, Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar, live on News Radio WNBF, with some law enforcement concerns in Endicott and all of the communities across Broome County. And we'll continue our discussion about public safety throughout the week right here on Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph. Thank you for joining me today. Tune in tomorrow. We'll have a few more questions and certainly a few more guests right here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton, now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton.